So it was a cold, mostly rainy day. My mind was made up. I knew what it was that I was gonna do. My wife was on board. Addison was on board. And so I did the only thing I could think of to do next. I picked up the phone to call somebody who was halfway around the world and invite them to do the craziest thing either one of us had ever talked about. Now it was about one o'clock in the afternoon in Oklahoma and it was about 1 a.m. in the morning where my friend was at. And groggily he picked up the phone and answered and said hello, but he was in a part of the world where you couldn't just openly talk about things. And so we had to begin to talk in code and I said, Khalib, because that was my um, name for him for the area where he was at. I thought it was really funny, even though his name's really Caleb, but I was like, Khalib. <laughs> and he was like, what's up? I was like, hey, the, um, the father has asked me to do something kind of crazy. He said he, he wants me to go to a new people in a new place and start a brand new work for him. He's like, that's cool. I said, yeah. And I said, I think he wants you to go with me. And there was silence on the other end of the phone. I was like, hey, are you awake over there? He was like, yeah. I was like, good. I was like, so I'm not letting you go to sleep till you say yes. And before long, before long, Caleb and I both found ourselves here in Australia to do something that God had called us to do, to start a church. But really in that moment, when he said yes, when he said yes to being a part of this thing that God was gonna do, a church was born. You see, Jesus said this, he said, where two or three people are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He said that in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Where two or three are gathered, and for that moment, when he said yes, we became three. And I knew, even though there was this huge distance between us, that God was already on the move and at work. You know, in that, that passage, I love the word gathered. You know, it's one of the words that we talk about here at the Church of Australia. We say that, that we're um, about leading people to be the church, and we think the church does three things. That number one, it gathers. Number two, it grows. And number three, it goes. And we come to this word gathered. Well, Webster's Dictionary tells us this. It says that it means to come together to assemble or to accumulate. Now, that's not exactly what we mean when we talk about it here at the Church of Australia. You see, when we talk about this word, we think that gathering means this. We think it means bringing together people. Bringing together people. That's both Jesus followers and non-Jesus followers. It is all people because God wants to connect with all people. And he wants to connect with them, not only in community with other people, but with himself. You know, recently as I was um, searching across the internet for just different ideas, I love to go internet surfing just to find different ideas about where it is that we're going or, or what it is that God's doing around the world right now. And I, I came across this, this idea. And it, it was that 
this church that said, come see what we have built. Come see what we have built. And as I read that, I came to realize something that Solomon said long, long ago. See, Solomon was a guy that was considered like one of the wisest men out of all of history. And in Psalms 127, verse 1, he said this. He said, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer builds in vain. Right? Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. If you're taking notes today, I want you to know this. More than anything else, if I build something, it will break. And I don't mean you, right? Because some of you may be incredible builders out there. I mean, if I built something, right, Sean? <coughs> That's what I'm saying. If I build something, it's going to cost you three times as much, and you're still going to call the repairman that you needed from the very beginning. My wife can give you story after story. You know, you'd think at some point she would just quit asking me to fix things, right? I make Tim the tool man look like Fix-It Felix. Because I cannot build anything. And so to stand up here and try to tell you that over the last year that I've built something here would be a magnificent lie. Because over the last year, God has built this house. God has built this church. He's the one who is doing all of the incredible building and the gathering and the growing. You know what? Jesus was uniquely qualified for it. First of all, he was the son of a carpenter. Second of all, he's the son of the living God. I love that in Matthew chapter 16, when he looked at the disciples and he gave them the question of who do people say that I am, right? And they began to answer him. And then he looks at him again. He says, no, no, no. I really care more about who do you say that I am? And Peter looks at him and says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said this back to me. He said, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, on this declaration of me being the Messiah and the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church. Check out what he said next. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What an incredible thing. Jesus, the architect, the chief builder, the designer of all of this said, look, I'm going to build something so strong that even the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen, right? Amen. You know what? From that very moment that Caleb and I got together, God was up to something here. He was up to something. And he's been moving ahead of us. And you know, I love that. I love that as I look out across this room today, and as I lock eyes with so many different people, and as I know the stories about where it is that you've been, what it is that God has done in your life, where it is that you've come from, that I know that God brought you here. God brought you here. He gathered us. I'm so thankful for that. 
I'm so grateful for that. In fact, check this out. Over the last year, over the last year, you have invited over 250 people who showed up for the very first time into this room. Yeah, let that sink in for just a second. That's 250 of your friends, your neighbors, <coughs> your family members. Not only that, check this out, over half of them came back a second time. Yeah, amen. And over 143 people would call this place home. We say that you've been here. In fact, JV, I love it. JV, you just crossed over just the other day, right? You've been five or six times now, right? And that's what we know is the mark when somebody says, you know what, this is probably my church home. We were just talking just beforehand. He said, you know, this is probably my church home. I've been here several times now. <laughs> that's exactly right. And 140 other people have done the same thing. They've called this place home in the last year. One year ago, Tomorrow, as a matter of fact, we stood in this room and we launched this thing called the Church of the Strait. There were 45 of us in this room, right? And we were blown away by that. We didn't know where those 45 people were going to come from that morning. It was great. And this year, God has grown from that 45 people to this fall. We averaged over 100 here every single week. Not only that, Christmas Eve, and some of you guys were here, we had 150 people here on Christmas Eve. You know, I don't share those numbers because numbers are everything, because sometimes we get all caught up in numbers, and we go, oh, yay, great numbers. But I share the numbers because numbers represent people, and they represent stories. They represent your friends. They represent your neighbors. They represent your family members. And we're going to talk a little bit later about the fact that those people who come like that, that when they get here, when they become to be a part of this family, God changes them. God changes their lives. And I've heard so many stories. In fact, it breaks my heart that I can't share all of them today because we'll run out of time. <clears throat> but God is changing lives. And he's doing that because of you. And he's doing it because you've been faithful to gather here and to gather others in his name to invite them and to bring them. And so as we charge into 2019, I want to encourage you, don't quit inviting. Don't quit inviting. We're going to look back in just a minute. My wife made a beautiful video that shows some pictures. It's fun to see the growth in the pictures. Right, But she put a video together that shows just some of what the gathering has looked like over the last year. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for today and for what it is that you're doing. We just give you glory and honor. And we celebrate you today in your name. Amen. Let's check out this video.
gathering, gathering is such a huge part of what we do as a church. And I love the stories, stories about like Joan and Stan who brought their neighbors, Jim and his wife. And then two weeks later, Jim, they bring their neighbor, Terry. I love that. Love stories from people like Aaron, who's like, yeah, I brought my friend Jimmy, who's now playing guitar. And I brought my friend Gabby. I love stories like Austin's story, who's like, by the way, if you don't know Austin's story about how he got hooked up with this, he called us because he needed a truck, because he needed a couch. And then Austin goes to work and he tells this crazy story about this crazy church. And some people at his work say, you know what, I'd like a crazy church like that. And Henry and Yesenia showed up. I go on and on. You know, when we think about gathering like that, we think about that kind of physical growth. But grow is actually our second word that we think that a church does. And we don't just think that it's physical growth. In fact, in Luke 2.52, we read this. We see that Jesus grew. Jesus grew in stature and in favor with both God and man. I love that because it tells me that Jesus not only grew physically, but that he grew spiritually, right? He had a vertical relationship with God the Father. But then he grew emotionally and socially because he had these horizontal relationships with other people. <clears throat> you know, usually physical growth is the easiest one for us to spot. Right? Think about it as a parent. Well, maybe not as a parent, right? Because as a parent, sometimes we don't realize how fast our kids are growing until we go to their closets and they don't have any clothes that fit them any longer. And we go, oh my goodness, you've grown three inches in the last three months. No wonder none of your clothes fit you anymore. But usually physical growth is the easiest one to see and to spot. Those other ones, though, they're, they're more difficult. But this is sometimes and most often where the really great and fun stories are, right? Spiritual growth can be that place. In fact, last year, we saw 12 people who for the very first time in their life said, you know what? I want to become what you guys are calling a Jesus follower. And they surrendered their life and became a Jesus follower for the very first time. I want to tell you a story about two of, my, two of them. Their names are Will and Jenny. I'm glad they're here today. I'd only text them at midnight last night, so I'm only going to tell the story. Will and Jenny, I'm, they're a product of an invite. Jenny was teaching my daughter, my youngest daughter, over at PCA. But it wasn't really my invite that got her to come over here. You see, her boss was Don Beggs. And Don invited her over and over again. And she finally said, you know what? 
She said, Charles is a pretty nice guy and his wife's are, she's wonderful. What you said, she said, she's wonderful and I'm just nice. I want to take a little bit of offense to that, okay? And she said, I, I think it would be, I think it'd be great to come over there and just see what you guys are all about. And so she and Will began to come shortly after we launched. And a few weeks in, she and Don sat down and had a conversation, began to talk about what it meant to be a Jesus follower. And Don shared with me about it. She said, I think Jenny is ready to become a Jesus follower. She just needs some help in this choice. And she said, would you like talk to her about it? And so I invited Jenny to come over to the house and have dinner with my family and I. And it happened to be a day that Will was working late. Um, sorry, Will, you didn't get to have good food that day. And so she came over. And during the course of the meal, we began to talk about what it meant to be a Jesus follower. Now, by the way, just so that we're all together on what a Jesus follower is, let me put it up there on the screen. We think a Jesus follower is this. We think it's anybody who surrenders their life to Jesus in response to what he has done for us and then chooses to live out our lives to reflect the mission and the message that he set forth. That's a Jesus follower. And during the course of the meal, she said, you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to become a Jesus follower. And so in our living room, at the end of February, she prayed to invite Jesus into her life for the very first time. Afterwards, she got on the phone and called Don, who like, I think broke all of our eardrums for at least the next day because she was so excited about her friend who'd made this choice to become a Jesus follower. And then she said to me, as she got ready to walk out the door, she said, I really want you to talk with Will too. She said, I want him to know the same things that I now know. And so a few weeks later, Will and I got to go to a coffee shop together. Listen, you missed out on the meal. We got coffee, all right? Fair trade. Maybe not. Uh, but in the course of that, Will said, you know what? I want the same thing. I want the same thing that Jenny's got. I'm excited for her, and, and I want to do that too. And so Will became a Jesus follower. And last year on Easter, both of them were baptized to represent, hey, we've made a choice and decision to become Jesus followers so that everybody else will know who it is that we are. Now I want you to fast forward to October. In October, I got this random text message that said, hey, I think Jenny just had a baby. <laughs> what? I didn't even know she was pregnant. Yeah, I don't think she did either. I'm sure you're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking. How do you not know that you're pregnant? Well, let me tell you how she didn't know. Jenny had been told by a doctor she couldn't have a baby. She had a medical condition that prevented that. And so it was never on the table for discussion with any of the stomach issues that were going on with her. But here it was, God had done an amazing miracle in their lives. The doctors are still baffled by this. I'm still baffled by it. But I love it because it shows how much our God 
loves us. That he just gives good gifts. And he loves to do it when we're in obedience following him. But you know, they're not the only story, right? It would be one thing if we said, hey, all of our stories were about young couples and what it meant for them as they began to follow Jesus and how it is that they grew and spiritually matured. But it's not just about young couples. Two of my other favorite stories come from a guy named Dan and a guy named Butch. Now, Butch, how did you guys refer to yourself in your golden oldies? Is that what you said about yourself? Yeah. Um, they, they are just older youth, as I've always been told, all right? Both of those guys walked into our rooms for different reasons and from different backgrounds. One had never really ever gone to church. He'd watched his wife do it from afar, but he'd never really ever gone. The other came from all of the religious rules and regulations of Roman Catholicism. And he knew all the right things that he thought you were supposed to do. And over the course of the year, both of those guys made a choice to say, you know what? It's all about following Jesus. It's not about anything else. And they made a choice to do that for the very first time. Both of those guys. Emotionally, though, we've seen growth. There are so many stories of people that I've talked with. They said, my marriage was on the rocks one year ago today. I was about to walk out, and it was about to all be over. And they said, you don't know what it's meant to be here and be a part of this church. God has used this church, the people that are here, the love that is here, to strengthen my marriage. And my marriage is in a whole different point today than it was a year ago. Guys, I can't do that. I can't affect that. But God does and changes lives. You know, in the next section when we come back and talk about go, if you haven't figured out where we're going with gather, grow, go today, right? We're gonna share some of where it is that we're going over the next year. But when we talk about this idea of marriage for just a second, this is so important to us, I want you to know this, that coming up in February, we're gonna be launching a new group. A new group that is a marriage-centered group. The whole purpose of the conversations are going to be about strengthening our marriage. What does the Bible say about what it means to be married? What does it look like to love my spouse like Jesus loves me and like he loves the church? And then it's not going to be a very big group. It's only going to be about six or seven couples that we're going to allow into that group. Because it's going to be close and intimate and dirty and yucky. And I promise I've got as much dirty laundry when it comes to my marriage as anybody else does. But God cares about our marriages. And he wants to strengthen them. 
and he wants to encourage them, and he wants to grow them. He wants to grow us emotionally. He doesn't want us to be downtrodden. You know, as we've grown over this past year, our reach into the city has grown. Talked about horizontal relationships is also that social aspect. Our community this year, most of you that have been around and here for a while know that we had some major tragedies inside of our community this year. Some absolutely heartbreaking tragedies this year. And while I don't believe that this is ever the reason why tragedy happens, I do love to know that God positioned a church here for those tragedies and to minister in the midst of those tragedies. And that multiple times this year, our church got the call. Hey, did you know about this? Can you help minister to this family in this time of need for them? Can you help minister to this group of people who are hurting right now? Would you be willing to? You know what our answer was every time this year when those phone calls came? Yes. Yeah. Because that's why God put us here. Because that's what it means to be this church. God, I'm so thankful. So thankful that you placed us here in this place. God, I'm so thankful that over this last year, we were able to serve our community in an amazing way. And God, it's only because of your love. In fact, everybody look up for just a second because I want to share one more thing that's just amazing. Recently, not recently, some time ago, I heard a church as they were celebrating their birthday talk about it like um, a child that was growing up. And they were getting ready to celebrate their 13th birthday. And they're like, woohoo, we're about to enter into those awkward teen years in our church. I don't know anybody that celebrates their awkward teen years, all right? <laughs> but listen, this church was in Texas. Everything's a little bit different in Texas. <laughs> Just saying. But as I thought about that, I was like, you know what? We're turning one. And like a one-year-old, we've just kind of figured out how to walk. We're just starting to say some words. We're just starting to like smile back at the right reasons, not just because we got gas. <laughs> right? And for the first time, we're beginning to assert some independence. You know, this last year, we needed a lot of help, like a baby needs a lot of help. In fact, we had 11 different teams from 10 different churches who came in this last year to help us out. Yeah. Over 120 people who gave more than 5,000 ministry hours here in Australia to love people and to love God. That's amazing. And we're going to have some more teams this next year that come, but it's not going to be like that because we're growing. And just like healthy things grow, so is this church. And I'm so excited to see what God's going to do. Amen.
You know the third and final thing that we say at church should be about is go. Now to be clear, go is all about the mission, right? It's all about doing what it is that God has called us to do. But today I want to use it to talk a little bit about where God is calling us to go this next year. Now as a teenager, as a teenager, I became a fan of the New York Yankees. Boo, hiss, I know, I know. How in the world does a boy from Oklahoma become a fan of the evil empire? Carlos is beside himself over here right now, right? I still love you, Carlos, all right? I'll love you more when you wear my pinstripes. But, now, to be honest, it wasn't a bad time in the 90s to become a fan of the Yankees. Um, they were winning a lot of championships then. But I didn't become just a bandwagon fan. You see, I became a fan of all of the history that went along with them. I loved the fact that Mickey Mantle came from my home state, from just up the road from where I grew up. And then there was this guy, Joe DiMaggio. Oh my goodness, he was amazing. And Luke Garrett before him. And then how can you forget the Sultan of Swat, right? The Babe. One of my favorite stories about Babe Ruth is the day that he got up to the plate and he takes the first pitch by called strike. He didn't like the pitch, he said. Crowds hollering at him, shouting things at him. Second pitch comes by, strike. Now the dugout for the other team, it's the Cubs of all teams, the Cubs. I knew that was gonna happen from over here. And they're yelling and screaming at him. And so Babe calls his shot, points over the wall. I'm gonna hit the home run, just give it to me. He takes up and he swings it. He knocks it out of the park. It's like the stuff of legend, I'm telling you, I love it. Now this section today, I have a little bit of feeling like it's a little bit like Babe calling his shot. I don't know where as good as Babe is. But I do know that our God is huge. And today, you know, I've got the backdrop that says hashtag not my church. And really, today is hashtag this is our church. All right? That's really what today has been. And we're going to talk about it in the next couple of weeks about the church that Jesus wrote and said, I don't like this about a church. But, you know, I believe that God has called us out to be something this next year. I believe that he's called us out to be not just good, but great. In fact, in fact, I, I believe this so much that instead of every week coming up and telling you that I believe that we exist as a church to lead people to be the church which gathers, grows, and goes, we're changing it. Because I believe, I believe that we no longer exist for that purpose. But I believe now that God has called us to be a great church. And that we now exist to lead people to be a great church. 
And over the next seven weeks, we're going to unpack what it means to be a great church. I'm not going to give you any of the hints about it today. You can just chew on it. And you know, as you're walking out the door, I want you to talk with your spouse and somebody else and say, you know what, here's what I think a great church looks like. And you can compare all of your notes together as we begin to go through this series about what it is that we think God thinks a great church looks like and about what it is that he's calling us to. And I'm excited about that and nervous about that and scared about that because when you call a shot, you better make it. I want to share a few great things that I think that I know are coming in 2019. Here's the first one. We have a logo. And I'm going to show it to you next week. You have to come back. I want you to come back next week and we're going to show you we have a logo. And I'm excited about it. And I hope that you'll be excited about it too. Here's the second thing. God has challenged Caleb with something. You see, that we know that it's not only in here that lives are changed. In fact, we would say that more happens inside of our groups than happens inside of here. This is kind of like the sampler, if you will, right? It's not all the good stuff, it just gives you a taste of the good stuff. The great stuff. If we're going to be great, let's use the word great. And so Caleb has been challenged by God to double the number of groups that we have over this next year. We have four groups right now, and he wants to double us and take us to eight in the next year. That's huge. That's awesome. And that means going from 60 to 70 people that are in groups almost every week to somewhere between 120 and 140 people that are in groups every single week. Yeah, that's amazing. One of those groups is the one I just talked about a little bit ago, is that new marriage group that will be coming up pretty soon. Another one, and so we've been talking about this, but we know it's important and we want to invest in this, is a students group. And over this next year, we're going to be building a group that is just for students that will meet their needs and talk about their issues and the things that they're dealing with and allow them to build those horizontal relationships together that they need to be building together. And we're excited about that. And then there'll be some other groups that will be coming. Not to mention the fact that on top of that, we have some new women's Bible study groups that are going to be going. And I'm excited about this. It's coming up in February, a brand new study where they're actually going to go through the entire Bible and give you the main thread of everything. Here it is, the main thread that goes through all of these different stories of the Bible. And they're going to do it together. They've got two different nights. And they'll be at the back of the room at the end if you want to talk to them about that some more. You know, speaking about our groups, recently in here, I said the same thing I'm saying right now, that those groups are the place where life change happens. That they're where we practice what we preach. And that you need to get in, involved in a group. And I always loved what Reed and Rainbow would say. They'd say, don't take my word for it, right? I loved that line that they would have from it. So I'm going to give you somebody else's words about a group that came for the very first time a little less than a month ago to come visit a group. And he said this, he said, I've never been part of something quite like this. He said, but it's clear that you guys in this room love each other and that you're here for each other and that you desire to help each other as you pursue Jesus together. I couldn't have said it any better, so Doug, I just straight quoted you. Listen, not only that, 
But we so much believe in our families. That this, later on this spring, we're gonna have a marriage retreat. Bringing in some even better experts than me, because I told you already I'm not an expert on anything, to help us to get better in those relationships. And in the fall, we're gonna do one that's on parenting. Right? Bring in somebody who can give you some help in those areas. And we're gonna search the scriptures together. We're gonna love on each other together in those two times. We're gonna laugh together. We're gonna cry together during some of those things. We may oh man together. Hopefully we'll amen a little bit together. And I'm excited about those things because your families matter to us. Because really, you're all part of my big family. Here's the last thing. We've invested in missions over the last year. In fact, most of our effort in missions has been right here in Australia. But we don't believe that that's the only place that missions should take place. And so this next year, you're going to begin to see us to expand our horizons on all of that. And there'll be some new places that we'll be talking about going and partnering with. And one of them, they'll be coming at the end of July, we'll be going into Southeast Asia. We'll be taking a trip. And so you can begin thinking about it right now, but we're going to go join our M. So i got to use code words here, all right? She's in one of those places that we talked about like Caleb was. And we're going to go join and hang out with her for a couple of days in her city with the people that God has sent her to, to go reach and to share about how awesome he is. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm looking forward to that. And so I hope that you look forward to the things that are going to happen in 2019. You know, if I was truly the great Bambino, I would say something crazy like, hey, on Easter we're shooting for 200, and on next Christmas Eve we're shooting for 250. All right? But I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do it. But you can invite everybody that you meet to those two things. All right? It's okay. Hey, and I know some of your favorite things are going to be back. Um, this last summer we did a series called At the Moves that um, was one of my absolute favorites. And it'll be back with Popcorn in the Room again. It'll be a lot of fun. So you don't want to miss out on that. Well, listen, two years ago, when Caleb and I got here, I want to tell you something. We didn't know anything. And we still don't. But here's what I love. Even though I don't know how we're going to accomplish any of the things we've just talked about over this next year. What I love is, is that God uses people who don't know anything to do things for him. Right? And if God can use someone who doesn't know anything, it might as well be me, and it might as well be you. God, thank you for being a big God who's doing big things. And God, is that song that we sang just a little bit ago of God of this city said, greater things are still to come. Greater things are meant for this city. God, I'm so glad that you've called us to be great. We just give you all of the glory 